dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another short news flash podcast from PortugueseSoccer.com. My name is John Neves, dropping this episode on the evening of Friday, August the 21st. Lots to talk about. Cavani not coming, at least based on reports as of tonight. Busy week next week with uh, Fernando Santos announcing his Liga Nation squad. A week from tonight, we are going to know the schedule for the 2020-21 Liga, whatever they eventually call it, season. And of course, there's a bunch of other news to talk about tonight. But before I do, I, I just wanted to quickly share. In the past few weeks, I've had uh, various individuals reach out to me. Uh, one even reached out to me via text, who I had kind of lost touch with. But in the older days um, of PortugueseSoccer.com, I used to communicate quite a bit, bit with. And then, of course, you move on with life. Um, you move to another city or, you know, things happen, you get married or perhaps you move to another country and, you know, you move on. But uh, in the past few weeks, it's uh, been very nice to have met people that remember PortugueseSoccer.com. And they always say, you know, was that the one from the late 90s, the 2000s, um, the one that was on the website? And of course, it's still on the website, although a little bit differently now. And I'll always answer them and say, yep, it's the same thing. And yep, I'm still here. And um, it got me thinking because this started PortugueseSoccer.com in 1997. Probably for some of you, you were probably still a baby. But I'm not that old because I don't have a lot of white hair yet. But that was when I first discovered the internet and I first did this. And it gave me a chance to get nostalgic. And I decided to look up 1997. What was going on that season when I started this back in the days when Yahoo.com was... There's a bunch of directories to find websites. And, you know, back then there was no Google or social media, as you probably know. So the manager of Porto that year was Antonio Oliveira, who, of course, eventually would manage Portugal, fortunately unsuccessfully at the 2002 World Cup in South Korea. And there was a midfielder on Porto that year by the name of Sergio Conceição. Uh, Benfica in 1997, bit of a rough season. They had three different managers. Um, probably going to say this first name wrong, Paulo Atorio, uh, the Brazilian, Mario Wilson, and then Manuel José, who these days is a pundit on RTP. He also spent a lot of time, if I recall correctly, in Egypt and managed Boa Vista for many years. But um, he was the manager of that team. Um, and the manager for sporting that year was Octavio Machado. Um, think about that. And he was, of course, the manager that year. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo was 12 years old okay and he was obviously uh i can't remember when he left to lisbon i'm pretty sure at that time i think he was still in madeira and Mourinho was an assistant at barcelona who of course at the time had young players like pep guardiola and luis enrique and of course Mourinho, three years later would get his first job with benfica so wanted to share that memory a uh, bit nostalgic moment that you know, when I started PortugueseSoccer.com, that was what was going on that year in Portugal with the Liga. But let's talk podcasts. Let's talk about the news. Um, we'll set it up first before I get to the Cavani news. Um, first off, just setting up the schedule. So this upcoming Monday, the 24th of August, uh, Fernando Santos will announce his squad for the Liga Nations. Portugal playing uh, two matches, September the 5th in Porto. Um, they'll be taking on Croatia. And then on uh, September the 8th, they'll be traveling uh, to Sweden, 
Uh, both of these matches, uh, UEFA confirmed, uh, these early matches of the League of Nations will still be played behind closed doors. So there will be no matches at that one in the Dragon, um, as well as uh, Sweden. And very interesting questions uh, about this next squad selection. First, will players like Ruben Diaz and Pizzi be on it? Um, remember, Benfica's got a very important Champions League third-round preliminary qualifier. Um, you know, will he select those players or let them stay with Benfica during this very crucial time? Even if you're not a Benfica fan, I think we all need to agree, although I know some won't, but I think most will, that's important that Portuguese clubs qualify, in this case, for the groups of the Champions League, just like you want the smaller clubs to qualify for the Europa groups, like uh, Rio Ave, and of course, you also hope Sporting uh, qualify, because the more teams that are in Europe, the more that play in the groups, the more matches they play means the more points they could gain. And as you know, the last few years, Portugal has dropped. Uh, this year, won automatically to the Champions League, which, of course, as you know, is Porto, the runner-up. Benfica has to play the preliminary. Next year, that changes. Next year, the top two automatically go to the groups, and third place plays um, the preliminary and uh, playoff round. But it will be interesting to see if Ruben Diaz and Pizzi are among the players that come to the top of my head. Um, are they going to be called for these matches, or will they get to stay with Benfica? Because JJ, of course, getting the squad ready to play that very important match. 40 million euros, which Benfica or any Portuguese club needs. And I don't know if they're going to be calling them up. Uh, Ruben Semedo, of course, playing in Greece with Olympiacos. He got tested, and he has COVID-19. Um, he's okay. Um, he's not going to play in the Greek Cup. But I'd be curious to see because his form has been pretty good this year. If he'll get called up, uh, be interesting to see if Cristiano Ronaldo will get called up. Usually Cristiano takes extra vacation, and I don't mean that sarcastically. Uh, players like Bruno Fernandes just went on vacation, having lost um, this past weekend, um, you know, losing in the semifinals of the Europa. So is he going to come straight from vacation and go play for the national team? So a lot of question marks for the squad and who Fernando Sanders will select. And that, of course, will be Monday at 12.30, of course, at Cidad do Football. Also next week, a week from tonight, the Liga draw. And, of course, um, that is when we'll be able to find out the Classicos, the Derbies. As you know, the Liga will begin the weekend of September the 20th, right around that time. Uh, but there's still some question marks we have. Um, Vitoria Setúbal, Portimonense. Who's going to be in the? Uh, who's going to stay in the Liga? Right now, you've got 19 teams preparing for the first division. Um, Vitoria Setúbal, of course, like Avj, um, were basically demoted to the third division a few weeks ago because they didn't meet the compliance and financial compliance paperwork um, and everything that goes with it. And of course, they have appealed. Portimonense, upon hearing that news, of course, are preparing to play in the first division. So, of course, right now there's the appeal. And now everyone is hoping, especially before next Friday or shortly thereafter, that a decision will be made as to whether Vitoria Setúbal wins the appeal and gets to stay in the first division or Desportimonense um, gets salvaged and they get to come back and compete in the first uh, division. Uh, there's also a question about what happens uh, with Gazapia. They don't know yet if they're competing in the third division or the second division. They're waiting to see what happens with uh, Portimonense. 
Kazepi uh, is president, uh, which is a second division club, of course. Uh, last year, they got the, the, um, relegated to the third division, was talking to how they don't know what, what exactly to plan for, and that right now they don't even have a manager, and that the only players on their team are those players that had a contract through uh, this season, that were in the middle of a two-year contract. So those question marks still need to be figured out. But right now, the league um, draw is set for a week from tonight, Friday, August the 28th. Always an enjoyable time to see the draw. And by the way, the draw, they draw a number because there apparently are what they call combinations of different schedule. And they draw this, I think it's like a six or seven digit number that corresponds to a particular schedule that a computer does. And then whatever that number connects to is the schedule that comes up. Now, if you remember last year, there was a confusion where I think it was a six, but it came up as a nine and they realized later that there was a mistake and they had to do the draw over again, if you remember. Um, you know, I don't think that'll happen again uh, this year. And that, by the way, is just a bad mistake. You know, you can't really feel bad for the people involved in that. That actually happened, I think, something similar. I remember many years ago, not necessarily at a sporting event, but I think it happened with something with Lotto in a country where there was, you know, some confusion between the six and the nine. But um, so, yeah. So Monday, Fernando Santos announces his squad. So does Rui George, by the way, with the under 21s. Next Friday, of course, we will then have the Liga schedule. And of course, right now, these days, all the teams, of course, are, well, the exceptional Porto, which starts Monday, all the teams are, of course, are in preseason. And the biggest talk right now, is, of course, Cavani. That is the biggest story in Portugal. Uh, Benfica apparently has decided against going after um, Cavani. It's all about money. Um, they just do not feel like the money is right, that they have it. Um, and let me tell you what I think happened. This is just my opinion. A lot of times when you, for as long as I've been doing this, when you give your opinion, People tend to look at it as, is he talking bad about my team? Is this a conspiracy theory against my team? No. This is, I think, what happened uh, with regard to Cavani. I think that the very beginning, Luis Felipe Vieira, especially after he got JJ, wanted to really build the squad, and he wanted to go after Cavani, who's a solid, of course, as you know, striker. And I think Cavani was open to the interest as well, and I do believe that there were talks. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I think what happened then, in my opinion, is that Benfica began to realize that what Cavani wanted, and the reports tonight was that he didn't want a signing bonus. He wanted, uh, again, if, if, if the coppers, the newspaper covers are to be believe, 30 million over three years, which, you know, in salary, which is, you know, that's a lot of money for a Portuguese club, no matter you know, how much money you make selling players. Uh, Benfica, of course, last summer with João Felix, and Benfica has a bit of a healthier situation financially compared to the other big three clubs. That's just a lot of money, and to try to make it work and to spread it out over years is just not something that was very easy. And I think initially there was some hope. I think initially there was some talks. But I think once they got down to the really hard stuff, I think Benfica realized that it was just not possible unless Cavani uh, lowered his demand. Um, and I think Cavani, 33 years old, he's been playing at the highest level. He got paid a lot of money, 
a lot of money at PSG. Now he's looking for his next opportunity. In terms of playing in Europe, his next opportunity, he probably wants it to be a big club. Benfica was a great opportunity. But I think, in my opinion, I think maybe he was trying to see what else was out there. Because last Sunday, when he was going to the airport to go to Europe, which eventually turned out to be Ibiza, you know, he basically said, yes, I was talking to Benfica. But I'm also talking to other clubs. And I think for me, at that point in his career now, 33 years old, I think that he wants to hold out hope for a bigger opportunity. And that's not to say that Benfica is not worth it. He wants to see if there was hope. I had tweeted out something, which maybe was far-fetched. You know, I know Correio the Minette TV doesn't have a lot of credibility with people that it could have been Real Madrid. There was also a report in the press with Lazio. Um, and there might be some others out there that haven't been reported in the press. But I think at the end of the day, if he was going to go to Benfica, he certainly wanted to make a good amount of money. And he wasn't going to take a discount. And I think the fact that he was going to continue to wait for a bigger opportunity and put these demands on Benfica, I think it worked. He thought it worked in his favor. And what's happened now is Benfica now, if if the reports are to be believed, is out of the picture. And now you have to see what happens with Cavani, where could it be in maybe five to six days he realizes that the opportunities that he was hoping for, you know, the Real Madrid opportunity was that they were going to be making some changes to their squad. And he wanted to see about a possibility of being one of the players that they may pick up because they could easily afford them. Um, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, could it be that in a few days he realizes that he doesn't have as many great opportunities and maybe he goes back to Benfica with a lower price. And maybe that's what Benfica is doing by basically saying, OK, thank you very much. Good luck the rest of the way there, buddy. But, you know, I think we're going to move on and we're going to start looking at some other choices because one of the coppers said tonight that Luis Vieira is looking at other alternative choices and one of them. And, you know, it could be another big name. We'll see. But to me, when you think big name, you, of course, think a lot of money. And Benfica right now, based on the newspaper reports, have spent $59.5 Okay, And if they're going to be bringing in this big name striker, on top, that's going to be added on top of what they have here. And last year, they spent $63.5 million. So Benfica is going to break the bank. They're going to break the record for most money spent in a season if they bring in somebody in the value of 20 to 30 million euros. So I know a lot of fans, but I will say it's actually split. I think there are a lot of Benfica fans that are relieved because they probably think it's too much money. And then there are a lot of Benfica fans that are disappointed because at the end of the day, a player like Cavani, you know, probably coming to Portugal would have been very successful. You know, I think, uh, you know, he comes to Portugal. I don't think it's out of the question. 15, 20 goals. And in a year, especially when you're trying to qualify for Champions League groups, having a player like that leading your attack, um, you know, that's, that's kind of nice security. Um, but that's not going to happen right now. So we will see moving forward if Cavani is going to blink and come back to them with less money. We're going to see if Benfica maybe later on you know, especially if, you know, if JJ was promised big name players, does Benfica go back after a few days, maybe raise the price a bit? I don't know, but we'll see what happens. And by the way, one other thing that should be mentioned, whenever you read comments on social media that people write, a lot of people like to say that's BS, that's that's not true, that's fake, that this and that. 
Just remember that the only two groups of people, in this case, Cavani and Benfica, that really know what was going on was Cavani's people and Benfica, Luis Vieira, Rui Costa, and all the people that are part of the negotiating uh, team. You had some big-time Italian reporters like Tancredi, Palmieri, DiMarcio, saying it was a done deal. A lot of the Portuguese newspapers and television said it was a done deal. And at the end of the day, absolutely nothing happened other than the fact maybe some money was wasted going to Ibiza to try to convince them to come to Portugal. And that's why that, you know, what I always like to tell people is you're a fan. You can only believe what's in the newspaper. Most people, if you're a Benfica, are going to believe in Albola the most. But at the end of the day, the only people that really, really know what's going on are the people that are in the negotiating table. And we'll never really, really know whether or not the report of he just wanted a salary, he did not want a signing bonus, and he wanted you know, 30 million over three years. We'll never know if that was true. We'll never know if taxes, high taxes played a part because that meant he was only going to get less money and he wanted Benfica to maybe come up with their offer. We just don't really know what happened. The only thing we know being reported by the press is that Benfica apparently has determined that based on the discussions that it's in their best interest to find somebody else. And by the way, it is in their best interest to find somebody because again, they're going to be playing the Champions League third round preliminary. It's already, you know, going to be August the 22nd when they start training on Saturday. And, you know, they've got a few weeks left to gel as a team, to, to do what JJ wants for what I think is their two most important matches of the season, which is the stir round preliminary, followed by the playoff. And if they get past, they, of course, will be sitting in the second pot of the Champions League draw. We know that Porto is going to be number one um, because uh, they needed either PSG or Bayern to win the Champions League to help them move up, and they got that. So Porto is the number one, and Benfica, if they qualify to the groups, will be in pot number two, not to mention the fact that they will have 40 million euros, which, by the way, just alone getting that money helps pay for the amount of money that they have um, already spent. So that seems to be the story for Cavani. We will see if there is any more news. It wouldn't surprise me if there wasn't any more, you know, that there wouldn't be more. I think there's going to be more. And, you know, we'll in fact uh, see what happens. Uh, preseason, as I mentioned, Porto starts on Monday. Porto has only made two moves so far. Um, a pair of free transfers. One of them, of course, was the Tundela goalkeeper. Um, be curious to see their first week back. Um, what type of moves they make. Are they going to be able to sell any of the players? Are they going to bring everybody in? The Diego Late situation with Valencia seems to be because Valencia is having issues and they need to sell. Porto needs to sell in order to buy players. This is what's you know reportedly holding up Tony Martinez and Taremi, who is uh, still in Iran. But if reports are to be believed, he's supposedly supposed to be on his way to Portugal. Again, you don't know what to believe. Only the people in negotiations really know. But uh, Porto, nevertheless, they get going uh, this week. Sporting, you know, last podcast, I was talking about how they hadn't done any moves yet. And seven days later, they brought in six players. Sporting is no doubt going to be improved. Uh, Ruben Amarin said tonight that he wants three more. 
um, including a center back. And uh, we'll see. I mean, I think with the success that Amorinha had as a manager, I think with the fact that they're bringing in these players, and none of these players are stud players, meaning they're not, you know, they're not the type of players that, uh, at least based on, I know, I think Fidal maybe for his country that, you know, are going to get starting for their national team. But they are a group of players that I think that are being brought in that I think can help sporting uh, improve. Because remember, next year, top two go to the Champions League. So that's going to be the goal of a lot of teams next year. Of course, winning the Liga is the number one goal. But if you're sporting now and you've got Braga, who's becoming sort of your nemesis now with all the back talking they do. And supposedly, you know, again, I don't know what to believe, you know, has sporting paid the 10 million for Ruben Amorim to Braga yet, the buyout, we don't know. But there's a bit of a rivalry going on between those two clubs. But I think sporting has done a nice job bringing in some really good players. And I think if you're a sporting fan, you should feel pretty good about the future. Plus, they haven't sold any of their young guys. Joelson has been linked with Arsenal. But I think that uh, the fact that he has still stayed, um, and it could be maybe they, you know, they haven't offered enough, but I think that things are kind of shaping up pretty good. Uh, Braga was very busy last week. Uh, one of their players today is uh, moved to Greece, but overall, uh, Paulinho is still there. And uh, there is no doubt that I think Braga is going to be competing for top four. I'm not sure if they're yet ready to break top two Braga like they did many years ago. But I think Carlos Carvial, um, you know, the focus right now is, of course, the second preliminary round of qualifying for the Europa League. That is the biggest deal right now. And um, that'll be the first Portuguese team. I think the matches are coming up in early September and that'll be, you know, the first one to get going. Um, but most Portuguese clubs, first and second division, have started to train. Most of them are staying within the country. Most of them are playing local teams. Um, moving on today, uh, a topic I've spoken about in the last few podcasts, but it came up today, and that's uh, the Liga boss, the Liga president, Pedro Purenza, was at a symposium today, repeating again his desire to see fans at football, soccer, whatever word you use in your part of the world, uh, matches, um, you know, again, various parts of Portuguese society. Um, are allowing spectators at their events, theaters, but the fact that they don't allow it, even though these matches are being played outdoors in big stadiums, um, obviously 10,000 seat stadium, you're going to have two or 3,000, plenty of room to spread out. But it appears as if the Liga continues to be, as well as the Segunda Liga, continues to be the one where the door still remains shut to the fans. So we'll be curious to see how that goes. And by the way, jumping back, to UEFA, I wanted to mention that, you know, as mentioned, the, the first two matches of the League of Nations that Portugal will play will not have fans, but I did read today that the Super Cup, the European Super Cup, which won't involve a Portuguese team, but is going to be sort of the very first big European match that will have a limited amount of fans, and that's, of course, the European Super Cup, uh, which will feature Sevilla versus the winner of PSG and Bayern on the 24th of September in Hungary. That a match apparently will have a limited number of fans. I think Hungary and Poland are the two countries in Europe where there are a certain amount of fans allowed at the matches. And I think that Super Cup match will be the very first one officially that uh, will have fans um, at 
the matches. Um, sticking with the Federation, September the 1st, Federation will uh, basically unveil their kids five days before they play the League of Nations match against Croatia. If you're a member with the Federation, you will get uh, to buy them uh, sooner. Uh, so that is uh, the next biggest thing to look forward to after uh, Fernando Santos announces the squad on Monday and the Liga draw next Friday. Uh, the next event after that will be September uh, the 1st. Still waiting to hear about the preseason schedule. I know Sporting uh, played their B team and lost. It was just a scrimmage. Um, and I think Benfica has played some some internal scrimmages. But so far, uh, we haven't seen anybody play. I think one of the concerns that I thought I read about first division clubs was playing a lower division club being concerned about their health protocols and what are they following. I think there's a little bit of concern about playing lower level teams. Um, I'm not sure where that stands as of today, but that was, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, that I had um, heard about. Um, other news in Portugal, of course, um, the, you know, of course the Champions League uh, final um, is this Sunday in Estadio de Luz. And this week, the president, the UEFA, of course, in town for the Champions League, uh, paid a visit to the Federation Cidadu Football. And um, the Federation president of UEFA uh, had some very nice things to say about Portugal. Um, the Prime Minister of Portugal, Antonio Costa, was there, as well as the president, of course, of the Portuguese uh, Federation. But uh, I want to read to you what he said about Cidadu Football. It's an impressive building. When you see this training center, you see that the success of Portuguese football is not a coincidence. To expect success like that all the time is a bit too optimistic. But it's a miracle for me. For a country that is actually not a big country, your success is absolutely magic and unbelievable. So big respect to Portuguese football. So some very, uh, very good words um, by uh, the UEFA uh, president. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, again, like I said a few podcasts ago, um, you know, the Portuguese Federation um, went to UEFA. Um, Portugal was in a great shape and Portugal is in great shape in terms of fighting the COVID. And to have these matches played in Alvila de Luz, um, I think has been a very big public relations boom um, for Portugal. And I think, um, you know, the Antonio Costa said that uh, even at this meeting that, Hosting these matches shows that Portugal um, knows what they're doing. You know, the fact that there's going to be Formula One in Portugal, there's going to be some big motorcycle races in Portugal, shows that in Portugal um, they are doing the right things. And, you know, Lisbon got some good news. Um, of course, you know, if there's one part of Portugal that's still dealing with some issues, but apparently it's really come down a lot, is the fact that a lot of the businesses I had read earlier today in the news um, are allowed to stay open as long as they were before the pandemic. Um, you know, some of the restrictions they put in the Lisbon area was that places had to shut down earlier, particularly bars and restaurants. And that is no longer the case. So that is great news for Portugal. And of course, even bigger news for the tourism economy was the fact that England, despite the fact that England has a much, much worse problem than Portugal with the COVID, but of course they are a bigger country, uh, announced that Portugal is off their quarantine list. So if you are a British citizen going to Portugal, and most tend to go to Algarve, you enjoy your vacation, 
some people are sneaking off to uh, Spain to then fly into England and avoid the two-week quarantine. Now, if you fly in from Portugal, you don't have to do the uh, two-week quarantine and that uh, Portugal is off uh, the risk list. And I think that that is a fantastic news for Portugal. In the news, they wonder, and in the industry, you know, you're talking about the middle of August. Is it a little bit too late? Portugal, since the economic issues from 2008, 2009, has really gone to a tourism industry. And you kind of wonder if it's too late, but the tourism industry is hoping that the rest of August, September and October, which, by the way, still great weather in Portugal, in case you're still looking to go there, uh, they're still hoping that that will attract a lot of English, especially now knowing um, that you don't have to quarantine uh, for uh, two weeks. Um, Folks, uh, enjoy doing this podcast as always. Um, I can't say it enough. Please wear a mask. Take care of your families. Um, We are living in a time, but in some parts of the world, things are getting a lot better. Certainly, we could say that about Portugal. And of course, Liga Nosh teams are in preseason. Segunda Liga teams are in preseason. We're going to know the schedule soon. Pretty soon, we're going to have some really serious matches to start to think about. So life is slowly getting back to normal. Um, and I think that that's something to look forward to. And of course, we have the other big time sports like the NBA going on, loving the Dallas LA Clippers series, loving the fact that Portland is giving um, the LA Lakers a hard time. Baseball is surviving. Hockey's doing fantastic in Canada. And of course, you've got Formula One that is ongoing right now. So uh, parts of the world are seeing sports back on a regular basis, and that makes me very happy. Folks, as always, take care of yourself. I'll talk to you next time. Ciao.